All right, guys, um, 19 minutes, 47 seconds. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Psalms chapter 124. And I'm going to read the whole psalm, and then we're going to dive into it. And I'm going to try to get us out of here on time. I think we'll be good. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to move quick. Is that cool? Yeah? Three of y'all. Excellent. I'm going to go really long today. Is that cool? Oh, there we go. I got permission to go long. Psalms 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when the people rose against us, they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrents would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Psalms 124. Um, I don't know if you guys know the story about a guy by the name of Desmond Doss. Uh, Desmond Doss was a World War II combat veteran um, who actually, because of his convictions in Jesus Christ and the Word of God, he was anti-war and really took it very seriously, thou shalt not commit murder, and he refused to carry a rifle the entire time he was serving in the United States Army. And so they deployed him out uh, as, a, uh, as a medic to the battlefield. And, and so his role was when someone got shot to crawl into the battle, grab them, and to pull them out. And so many people uh, made fun of Desmond Doss. Many people uh, tried to get him out of the platoon. Um, he even got court-martialed because he refused to carry a gun, and they ended up ruling in his favor based upon his religious liberty. And so Desmond, whenever he goes out into battle carrying no gun, he starts to recognize that there's all of these people who are getting shot around him and who are falling to the ground. And so what he does is he starts going out into the battle. He grabs a man, comes back, brings that man to safety to where they could carry him off in a stretcher. And then he went back into the battleground and he found another person and brought them out. And then he went back out and he found them, grabbed them and brought them out. And he did this over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And many people debate on how many lives he actually saved. He, he said he saved around 50 lives. The people that were in his platoon said, no, it was closer to 100. And so for semantic purposes, they just settled at 75 lives that were saved. And whenever they asked Desmond, hey, how was it that you were able to save all of those people not carrying a weapon? His response was, my weapon was the Bible and God. My weapon was the Bible and God. And so much to the point is that well, the last time he went out there, um, and this actually, as many of you probably picked up on, this is a movie called Hacksaw Ridge. This part was omitted from the movie. Whenever he went out there his very last time, he ended up grabbing someone and carrying him back. He was shot in the shoulder, and he crawled 300 yards with his shoulder like bleeding out um, in order to be rescued. And the other medic grabbed him, 
put him on a stretcher, and then Desmond said, no, 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 that person over there is in far worse condition and got off of his stretcher so that the other man could end up going to get safe uh, medical help and in safety. Desmond Doss. I look at a situation like that, and it reminds me of this passage of Scripture right here where it says, if the Lord had not been on our side... Um, if the Lord had, sorry, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. And, and what he's saying right here, what he's stressing right here is everything that just happened, I give credit to the Lord. If it hadn't been for the Lord, this would not have happened. And maybe you've had that moment in your life, and I'm sure I've had moments like that in my life, but moments in our life where we look at a ridiculously horrible situation that we come out of, and in the middle of it, we're like, what the heck is going on? But on the other side of it, we're like, oh my gosh, look at what the Lord just did. Let me just give you a, a few quick biblical uh, examples. Um, you have Moses and the Israelites who are before the sea, before the Red Sea, and then you've got um, this massive Egyptian army that's coming at them. And honestly, they would have been slaughtered, but the Lord was on their side. And the Lord allowed the Red Sea to part. Or, or I think about Daniel, right? Daniel, who went before King Nebuchadnezzar, and they, they had an issue, and he kind of got tricked in, into this law thing. And then Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, and everyone was expecting. The prophet Daniel, he's about to get eaten alive. We don't teach that in, you know, Sunday school next door. It's like... Um, but what happened? God shut the mouth of the lion. If it had not been for the Lord, Daniel would have not walked out. Or I also think about Jesus, right? Who's sitting there on the cross and everyone thought that he was done. This was it. This is the end right here. And then what happened? Three days later, he rose from the dead and came out a conquering king if it had not been for the Lord. I think about moments in the history of City Church with this, this building that we got or um, with the different things we've experienced or done where we can look at it and we can say, if it had not been for the Lord. And that right here is what the writer is trying to draw out of people. If it had not been for the Lord, we would not be here right now. And I just want to say that in your life, if it had not been for the Lord, what would that be in your life? What are the things that you would have experienced? He continues on in verses 3 through 5. He says, then, so if it had not been for the Lord, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. I, I, I think it's interesting here. Because the writer is saying, if it had not been for the Lord, when this took place, then this would have happened. But you know, it's interesting that stuff didn't happen. But the writer and the people of God, catch this, they knew their enemy. Kids are excited. They knew their enemy. They knew their enemy enough to recognize if I let the enemy get a foothold in our life, if I let the enemy get a foothold in my family, if I let the enemy get a foothold in this area or in this circumstance, then X, Y, and Z can end up happening. 
I mean, they literally just, just laid it out right here that like, um, hey, there's, we're going to get swallowed up alive. The, the anger against us is going to attack us. The, the waves of life are going to end up crashing us and, and storming over us. But the Lord is with us. And because the Lord is with us, and because we know that the enemy works the same way that he has been for thousands of years, we're able to recognize what could happen and lean and trust in our Heavenly Father that he's going to protect us and provide for us through it. I I think some of us, we need to be reminded that the Lord is on our side. We need to be reminded that the Lord is on our side, that he's caring for us, He, he wants to protect you, He wants to um, have the best for you, and he wants to see you succeed for the kingdom of God. Like the Lord is on your side. And the outcome of this right here I think is just amazing. Um, If the Lord hadn't been on their side, then all of this stuff would have happened. But because the Lord was on their side, and might I even say because they knew their identity, they could trust in the everlasting God. Here is their identity. They, they, they understood the outcome with their identity. They understood the outcome with their lives. And they understood the outcome with their circumstances. Do you understand what God can do in your identity and in your life and in your circumstance? The Lord is on our side. Church, we need to be reminded. Like someone should, we should get a little excited about that. The Lord is on your side. Like, he, he is fighting for you. I also think of Romans chapter 8. He, he says this, and I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to read all of it, but in Romans chapter 8, verse 31, this is Paul writing to the, the church in Rome, and he says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can separate us? Or who can be against us? And, and so I just want to do something. Turn to your neighbor and say, if God is for me, oh, come on, people. We need to wake up today. This is church. I know it's an acoustic Sunday, but we need to wake up. If God is for me, who can be against me? Now, my wife is sitting by herself. So, honey, if God is for me, who, she's like, shut up. Say <laughs> Who can, be, who can be against me? Who can be against us as a church? Who can be against the very thing that God is breathing life into and God is wanting to use and, 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 and expand his kingdom and expand the territory? He continues, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all? Things Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. It is God uh, who is to condemn. Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who's going to separate you from God's love? No one. What situation are you going to have that's going to separate you from the love of God? There isn't one. What ridiculously stupid thing did you do that maybe you feel shame and condemnation and guilt for that's going to separate you from the love of God? There isn't one. 
There isn't one. And this is why it's so important for us to have our identity rooted and grounded in the person and the presence and the lordship of Jesus Christ in our life. Because whenever, G whenever God looks at us, he doesn't see us in our imperfections. He sees us through the lens of Jesus Christ. And this is why God is for us. Because trust me, what you've done and what I've done and what all of us have done collectively, man, that's a lot to just send us to eternal damnation. It really is. But because of the Lord, because of his grace, because of his love for you and his love for me, there is another way. And then he goes down this list, and, and, and this just affirms, is tribulation going to separate you? No. What about distress? Absolutely not. Persecution? Um, no. Famine? Um, no. What about nakedness? I don't know. All right, where's like nakedness? It's in the Bible. It's one of those. But no, 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 no. Nakedness isn't. Don't get any ideas. Danger isn't. Is the sword? No. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors. The Lord is on our side. The Lord is on our side. He continues on in verses. 6 through 8, he says, Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. You know, one of the things I think we need to remind ourselves as Christians is that sometimes we need to enlarge our praise because of the God that we serve. We need to enlarge our adoration to Jesus Christ on behalf of what he's done. We need to remind ourselves of who God is. We need to like remind ourselves that we were saved from eternal damnation, that we have been set free. We may not walk in it completely, but I have been set free. That God has saved us from the snare, which I'll talk about in just a minute. God has saved us from ourselves. And like allow ourselves to praise Jesus more. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God, you are so good. God, here I am today, busted up and broken, and you love me, you redeem me, you've set me free, and you don't see me how I, how I even see myself. We need to be reminded of the goodness of God. In which I would say someone cue Bethel's, all my life you have been faithful. Can't stand that song. <laughs> all my life. Look, I... It's a constant debate between Marissa and I. She's like, everyone loves it. I'm like, I don't love it. But it's, I know, I know. Y'all are saying why. It's a good song. I know it. I know it. Marissa, I give you permission to add it to the list one week whenever I'm not here. Um, <laughs> enlarge your praise. And then he, he gives this picture of the enemy. He, the enemy has teeth. Um, and the enemy is trying to, to, to trap you like a snare. Now, um, how many of you guys have ever seen Alone? Some, yeah. Man, if you haven't seen Alone, it's a great show. I highly encourage it. And I can even say uh, it's fine to watch with your family. Maybe not like a five or six-year-old, but like, let's say eight and up, you can watch with your family. There's not like, they're not cussing each other out or anything like that. You want to know why? Because they're alone. They're literally alone. There's no one to cuss out. Like, so it's, um, but what happens is this, um, I don't know if it's whatever 
program it is, they, they take these 10 people who are quote unquote highly trained survivalists and they put them literally in the middle of nowhere and they give them 10, 10 items and they have to survive as long as they can. So they have to build their own shelter, hunt their own food, fish their own fish. Uh, they don't have toothpaste, but they get a toothbrush, which doesn't make any sense. Um, so they, they have all these things. Uh, and, and what you see is that some of them will start to set out traps called snares. And what a snare is, it's essentially just a, a piece of, of wire that whenever an animal runs through it, the animal will get caught, the wire will tighten, and it will suffocate them until the animal ends up dying. It's pretty gruesome. But you should watch it on a loan because it's really cool to see. All right? Um, I hope there aren't any animal activists here. I really do apologize today. And it makes me think right here, because the writer is referencing the snare. He, he says, we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. It makes me think about the traps in our life that Satan sets up to just snatch us the way that a snare would to an animal. Because we're just going about our good old day, just having a good old time. I'm just thinking of this squirrel that I saw on a loan. And the squirrel's just running, and then the next thing you know is, whoosh, it's got us, it's caught us, we can't move, and it's suffocating the life out of us. And that, my friend, is what sin does to us. Now, I'm not talking about you slip up and you accidentally get angry at someone and you sin and you ask for forgiveness. I'm talking about a pattern or a lifestyle of sin that is slowly suffocating the life out of you that Jesus died on the cross to give you. Like, I, I think that we need to remind ourselves, but, but here's the promise that we see in this text, right? He says, we have escaped like the bird from the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken, meaning the trap of sin in your life is broken if you allow it to be. It is broken, and it's broken, and because of it being broken, we have escaped. This is why it says in verse 8, our help is in the name of the Lord. And so I want you to just think about this. It's like, what are the things that the enemy uses to trap you up? What are the things that the enemy uses to trap maybe relationships up or friendships with other people? And, and I just think about a few of these, and these are very small. And if I, I said them, you're going to be like, Michael, that isn't that big of a deal. But for many people, it's the root of their identity that they're battling with. Being offended. Offense with people. Like, I want you to think about that. How, how many of us have been offended and because we've been offended with people, Satan has used that as a snare, and he's just slowly pulling it a little tighter, making you more and more offended with other people. You know what happens if you just continue to remain offended? You're going to be a really angry person, and people are not going to want to hang out with you. And, and you're going to just go about your life. You're going to be like looking at yourself. Why, is, why am I having so many issues? Meanwhile, you're holding on to this offense that's building this wall between the relationships that God intended for you. Some of us, we need to let offense go. The, the other thing is white lies. You know what a white lie is? Ask Judah. He can tell you all about white lies. He's great at it. You know, how the plot get, you know, pushed down and the plants everywhere. I've, they just fell, the wind, you know, like that did not happen. I'm just trying to draw an illustration. 
But a white lie isn't necessarily lying, but it's omitting the truth in an area. And you do that long enough, and you're going to find yourself trapped. You're going to find yourself trapped in lies that you weren't necessarily even saying, but you've come to believe being truth in your life. Or, or I think about um, uh, stealing, you know, stealing a piece of bubble gum. <laughs> stealing time on your employer's clock. Yeah, let that, I saw y'all just looked at each other. All right, there is marital counseling after church. You can go to, actually, we're all going to the DR, so you can't go to anyone for that. It's like you're on your own until next week. But like stealing time on, on your employer's clock, it starts to set in this habit, this habitual thing in your life, little snares that Satan used to pull you to trap you. And I just got to say this to the children, all right? Um, and by children, I mean anyone 17 and under. And I'm going to say it really loud for the kids and city kids, too. Disobeying your parents. Can I get an amen? amen? It's just one little thing, but if that becomes the pattern, it's going to end up affecting what their life is like whenever they get out of the house. Little things. Little things, little things. But here's the good news. The snare, the trap of sin is broken. I think you and I need to be reminded of that. The snare of sin that is trying to creep up in your life is broken. My question is, are you going to receive it? Are we going to walk in it? Are we going to believe it? I love what it says in Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. It says, And you, you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all of our trespasses, and I love this right here, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Meaning all the things you've done in your life, all the things I've done in my life, all the things that are just sitting there and we look at it in the mirror and we're just like, I'm unworthy and I've done this and I've lied about this and I've, I've, I've cheated on this and I've thought about this and I've stolen from this person over here. All of that, that that stood against you, legally speaking, Jesus canceled. And that's why we need to enlarge our praise to God. Because if it hadn't been for the Lord, then we would not be in this place or in this situation right now. But he doesn't stop there. He says he canceled it all with its legal demands. This he set aside, and I'm about to get all charismatic and Pentecostal in here, all right? Nailing it to the cross. Nailing it. That means he, he took your legal demand. Oh, I wish I had a hammer. And he went, there's your lying that you've done. There's your pornography addiction right there. There's the cheating. There's the false identity that you believed in yourself. He took all of that stuff and he nailed it to the cross, canceling the legal demand. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and he put them to open shame, triumphing over them. What did I drop? I didn't drop anything. All right, good. I hope the stage didn't just break, right? This gets me excited because we've been set free. We have been literally set free because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the cross of Jesus Christ. And this is why sometimes 
whenever I mess up and I feel bad the next day, I can sit there and I can say, hey, I'm not a sinner. I am a saint who's been saved by grace. And I sinned, but I have been made clean and washed clean and I can walk in that forgiveness because my identity isn't in what I did. My identity is in what he did for me. I, I said this before, and this is something that I need to just, I just want to stress, and I promise you I'm going to wrap up in the next two to three minutes. All right? And some of y'all caught that. But like so many times we try to add legalism in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So many times we try to add these rules in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just need to say this. This is what we've done to Christianity. We've made a lot of it about what you can't do. Instead of replacing our mindset on who we actually are. It isn't about what we can do. It is about replacing who we are so that we can walk in the fullness of God. And this is what I mean by that. We've taken Jesus and then we've added all these different rules to Jesus. You know what that does? That cancels out what Jesus did right here. It says that what he did on the cross and canceling out your record of debt isn't good enough. This is why I've said this before, but Jesus plus anything equals nothing. You try to add to Jesus, it's going to cancel it out. But Jesus plus nothing equals everything in our lives. Everything in our lives. And I want to close out with this. His name, the name of Jesus is our help. Like, it is our help. And this is, man, this is the access that we have. Is like, man, we find ourselves in a tight situation. We don't need to be, you know, crying out, hey, Christy, I'm stuck. I do that sometimes, probably more often than not. But we need to be saying, hey, Jesus, I'm stuck. His, his name is our help. And that word help right there, if you look at it in the Hebrew, it is not an adjective, but it is a noun and a person. They is literally saying, my name, the name of the Lord is help. And I want you to call upon me so that I can come and assist you whenever you've got the enemy trying to trap you with the snare. Like this is a reminder to us that the Lord is on my side. I get caught in a bind and I say, Jesus, I need your help. This is why some of you, whenever you, I don't know why I'm saying this, but whenever you're sleeping, you're being tormented by demons and what you need to do is instead of giving into it, you need to just start crying out to Jesus. Maybe you can't even get it out of your mouth. You just start trying to say it and eventually the name of Jesus is gonna break things off and set you free. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, I need you. I think, I think we just need to remind ourselves of who Jesus is and that he canceled the record of debt. He canceled it. He canceled it. It's, man, I'm, it's not holding you back anymore. Like, I, I'm not getting mad at y'all. I'm just getting fired up. Like, I see so many Christians who you've messed up and you allow it to mark and identify who you are. And I'm here to tell you, that's not who you are. You've been set free. Let's walk in that freedom. Let's walk in that liberty because the Lord is on our side. Psalms 1, 24. Let's stand to our feet. I, I'm sorry, I got a little all fired up. I'm sweating right now and just, it's... 
I'm telling you, man, that passage of scripture just makes me want to windmill kick Satan in the face. Like, bro, you ain't got nothing on this, homie. All right, I need to pray. He's, you can come take this now because uh, if not, I'm just going to be like, let's go back into it. Father, y'all, let's lift up our hands. Let's, let's just lift up our hands. Jesus, let's enlarge our praise this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you are a good and sovereign and merciful and loving king. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are our help, that you are a person. You see us in the middle of our crisis. You see us in the middle of our dysfunction. And you don't want to leave us there, but you literally want to break the snare, the trap that the enemy has on us. You want to set us free. You want us to walk in our true identity as sons and daughters of God. And so, Jesus, we call upon your name this morning that we need your help. We need your salvation. Jesus, we need your power. Jesus, we need your freedom. Jesus, we need your identity. And, and God, I thank you, Father, that you will freely give it to us according to Romans chapter 8. That there is nothing that can separate us. That we are more than conquerors because of Christ Jesus. And so, Jesus, we worship you today. We honor you today. We enlarge our praise for you today. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you have your way. Have your way right now, right now, right now, in Jesus, Jesus' name. Church, we're going to worship, and um, I just want to invite you to like, let's worship and enlarge your praise. And then in a little bit, if you need prayer and stuff, the prayer team's going to be, I know we normally have them come to the front, we're going to do it a little different, but let's enlarge our praise this morning of the God that we serve, because he is for you. He is for you. Amen? Amen.